Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This week's episode of Screen Talk is sponsored by Amazon Studios presenting Borat's subsequent movie film. Sasha Baron Cohen's satire in Trump's America follows Borat to America to deliver a gift to then-Vice President Mike Pence. Now nominated for three Golden Globe Awards, including Best Picture and Best Actor Sasha Baron Cohen, a Screen Actors Guild Award for Outstanding Supporting Female Actor Maria Bakalova, and two Critics' Choice Awards nominations, including Best Comedy, streaming on Prime Video. Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly movie podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the executive editor and chief critic, joined as always by Ann Thompson, our editor at large. And as usual, in this time of year, even in a weird sort of calendar for award season, there are certain reliable pockets of time where some news actually comes along that we can really dig into. And for weeks, readers have been asking us and listeners uh, as well, what's going to make the title on the shortlist? What has a chance? What should they be prioritizing? Well, now we have the answer. We have both the documentaries, we have the uh, uh, animated shorts, we have the international films, we have songs, lots to dig through. And the great thing about it for us was that we had a lot of time to dig through it before the rest of the world found out because we got it under embargo. Tell me this, having seen this process in the past, is it wrong to say that there are fewer surprises and snubs as it were than usual because when I looked at this I felt like with so much anticipation this kind of just felt like what we thought it was going to look like oh I mean one of the things that was different this year was that they've always you know for the last um you know, for a while now, the uh, foreign language side of the Academy, which is made up, you know, the best international film is made up of people from across the Academy voting. And this year they opened it up online all over the world. All you had to do was see 12 movies that were assigned to you and whatever else you wanted to see and and then vote and 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 basically, you know, Give, give points to the movies you like and so on. And they tallied all of that up and there were 15, they expanded it to 15. And there was no executive committee, you know, weighing in on uh, what those special uh, saves were gonna be that they would add uh, to the list made up by everyone else. So it's like everyone else now, docs have 15 slots uh, and now so does, um, so does uh, international. And so it was, we were all a little bit curious what the look of that list would be and it was fine. Yeah, well basically what you're saying is that that process worked. It, it helped in a way to address some of the deficiencies of people not seeing the right things or some of the quirky decisions that are made at the last second. I mean, this is- Well, a- it isn't this small coterie of sort yeah. of devotees who are being wined and dined by publicists in LA. It's not that list anymore. It's a much, much bigger list. And, and it, you, you can tell that, that they, did, they did really well. I mean, there were some, honestly, there were some movies like uh, Beginning or um, Preparations to Be Together for a Long Time, whatever the hell that mm-hmm. title is. Uh, 
probably undone by the title, honestly. More or apples. You know, they were some very art film friendly, you know, well, uh, Morello movies that were left out. Yeah, the Portuguese submission, which obviously your favorite. Watch. Yes. But I mean, those are the, I, you knew those that would have been executive saves. But if yeah, they'd ever. you knew stuff like that was going to be a tough sell. When you, when you look at the international list, it's, it makes a lot of sense. Of course, you're going to have the Netflix Mexican entry, I'm No Longer Here. That was very popular, very popular. And uh, to, to see- some... Another round is still the front runner. Yeah. yeah Dear Comrades is coming up very strongly, Andrei Konchalovsky, black and white Russian film. Surprising movie from him, Eric. I mean, a very feminist take on Stalinist Russia that, I, that surprised me. This is an old guard you know, filmmaker who actually made movies in Hollywood as well as Russia, you know, he's, he's, he's been around. Yeah, Konchalovsky. Runaway train. <laughs> and going cash, he was fired from that one. Yeah, he's a character and this movie I think is striking because it doesn't, it doesn't feel like a film from an old master. I mean, it's, it is a black and white movie about a In period. a sense it does. But, but yeah, but I mean, it's- um, The perspective very, is different. It's a very contained, uh, involving piece of filmmaking you know it's not an old man's film it's you know from a cliche no no and 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 he adopts this the point of view of this woman who who thinks she knows uh how to be a an operatic and does and, and and her heart is wrenched out of her chest when her daughter gets arrested and she has to find her yeah i was very taken with this movie yeah, and another one that I, that I was really happy to see on there was uh, Collective because, as well as the Mole Agent, those two are the the Oscars. The docs. That, yeah, the, that the are, double nominees. Coming off of, of Honeyland last year, being the first ever to score the, that nomination in two categories, it's really cool to see that trend continue. And of course, Collective has had that momentum going for a while. Mole Agent, I know, was one that, Fewer people were aware of for a while, so I don't, I don't know exactly. I would, you know. I would argue that Mole Agent is the more likely film to finally make the top five. Which would, of course, remember that everyone's voting on these fifteen now. And that would be really exciting because of you know it's not a collective is is a you know obviously collective is a great movie. Uh, yeah. I admire it tremendously, but it is not um, as heart wrenching. It's a it's a head movie, and Mole Agent is 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 so accessible and, right. well, and that's loving. Say, it's beloved. accessible, but it's also unconventional for a doc in the sense that it's sort of it's designed like a narrative. It feels like a detective movie, totally something else. So that was really great to see. In the on the doc side, for, uh, beyond that, there were some really interesting inclusions. I mean, obviously, it's nice to see that in addition to things we've been talking about, Dick Johnson is dead or, or, Crip, Camp. Uh, or Crip Camp to see that MLK is on there. Boys State, 76 Days, Painter and the Thief. These are all movies that- Painter and the Thief was a bit of a surprise, actually. I mean, we loved it out of Sundance and I championed it early, but I, I hadn't heard, it hadn't been getting a lot of the awards uh, attention from the doc community. So I was delighted to see it make the list. And obviously time would be the one that's sort of the, the big movie there. So that, that one continues its momentum. It deserves everything, it, it uh, does. 
and Welcome to Chechnya. It was fascinating to see that that film got both VFX and VFX. And, and you confirmed <laughs> that it's the first doc to actually get a VFX short. You know, this is a case where the odd um, uh, pandemic year is, is coming into play. Uh, it totally deserves a VFX nom, but it's unlikely that if it was up against Dune <laughs> and, and some of the other, you know, Bond, you know, some of the big movies that would have come out, um, that it would have made it. And I'm, I'm delighted that they went that way. They put some very, very bizarre B movies on there that uh, I, I, I hadn't even heard of some of these. Yeah, things. that is kind of hilarious. It's like, well, we got to stick something in this slot. So why not Bloodshot? It's like all they had was it. Tenet and Mank and, and, you know, and Welcome to Chechnya, you know. But it's, but, it's great. I mean, the idea of, of VFX in that movie being motivated by the, the need to keep these you know, the, these subjects anonymous for their safety is such a different reason to use VFX. And it's one that with Flea, you know, coming out yes, of- Yes, they used animation for that purpose. So, so I think it's right. it, it's nice to, to see that. Hopefully it's not just because, you know, there, there was some availability, obviously Tenet got in and, and all of that. I'm curious about Soul having an animated film. I mean, the, the idea of VFX in an animated film is- Well, that's of, a sign of the pandemic also. Yeah. You know? that, I mean, that, it, it all remains one of the biggest, most expensive movies along with Tenet released uh, in this in this weird year. And therefore it rises up in, in it deserves any attention that it gets, but um, we'll see. I, I'm curious, I mean, Bill Deswitz who, who covers crafts for us, he and I were debating whether Soul would make it into the VFX top five. It's it's hard to call. It's an it's sort of unprecedented. Yeah, I think that with VFX being what it is this year, it's it's going to be interesting to hear these conversations come out and how these campaigns take shape. I mean, are people now going to make time for Love and Monsters or uh, no, you know no, any of that kind happen. of stuff? No. no surprise that Midnight Sky is in there. Obviously, <laughs> you've, you've done that story, so. Uh, but then makeup and hairstyling, I think, it, it, it is, is worth looking at as well in that respect, because I mean, it's nice to see Birds of Prey, which is such a fun, exuberant movie to look at. You could watch it with the sound off and it would be a, a fun experience. Uh, getting that was over Wonder Woman, yeah. which is sort of, you know, bizarre. Um, um, again, Bill and I were talking, he thinks that there has been some debate about the decisions that Viola Davis made in the hair and makeup department for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, where she went really authentic and kind of over the top. And this shows that the branch is supporting that decision, that, that big is good in this case. Well, so that I mean, could be the front runner. Everything yeah. Viola in that movie is the best thing about that movie. So that makes a lot of sense to think. Along with Chadwick Boseman. No, I mean, it's a it's a very strong performance for him. And, not, and he's the front runner for that category. But I mean, the performance, she gives such a loud, in-your-face, memorable turn. It's like, of course, it's going to trickle down to the craft side of, of what contributed to that performance. It's also funny to me, you have stuff like Hillbilly Elegy, which nobody really said was a good movie, but... But the makeup is impeccable and Glenn Close brought her own people that. in and did a great job. And then, She's then, in the running still, Glenn Close. This is what you learn from this. Glenn Close versus Maria Bakalova. Nobody would have predicted that race, but it seems to be Glenn happening. Close versus Olivia Coleman again. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I wonder if those two actually get along. It'd be interesting to find out. But then the other the other thing in this category that we were, we were talking about earlier was the 
a nice uh, excuse to revisit a film that really got completely ignored last year by most people, and that was Pinocchio. You know, because that we were, movie, it, we liked it, and we it's saw it in such Berlin. a beautiful craft. Uh, it, it just all the crafts on Pinocchio are just so impeccably, beautifully executed, and and in um, it's it's real. It's it's prosthetics. It's it's yeah, tangible. throwback, but it works really well in that sense. It's got this handmade kind of gothic fantasy yeah. quality to it. And what's cool about it is, you know, this is a movie that came, it was actually very successful in Italy. And then went to Berlin and buyers didn't really know what to do with it. And then Roadside is like slowly getting it out there. And I think that this could maybe help reintroduce it to people. So that that's actually a nice way to see that a craft uh, category can actually advocate for people to watch a movie for, for other reasons. I mean, which I is love it, yeah. you know, it's not going to crack the performance categories or something, yeah. but it, maybe people will <laughs> check it out. It's all and then look at look at the original song the the um the prevalence of jingle jangle who would have okay, thought so Netflix Netflix did this extraordinary push and what they do is they go for every little possible thing and you have to hand it to these people there were two um not only did they did they get three nominations for jingle jangle a christmas journey which is a musical fantasy um um with 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 uh you know <laughs> they got they got that which got more nominations and you know from them and then they had something like um 19 movies and 26 slots in the shortlists and and it's just as and even in the short categories there's a there's a song that john led there are two john legend songs so part of it Imagine that Netflix is sort of like, Har you know, the children, Lisa Tabak, who we admire and, and respect, um, comes from the Weinstein Co. universe. And the people at Netflix are really good at figuring out, okay, if we pick up this short uh, with Sophia, you know, what would Sophia Loren do? It will promote our Sophia Loren movie, The Life Ahead. And it, and it got nominated. <laughs> it's a charming little short, but it's totally a Sophia Loren, you know, it's a great uh, sort of promo. synergy approach. Yeah. Totally. And then there's this giving voice, which is this, this little doc short that's about people auditioning for August Wilson plays that is totally promoting Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. And that got got a nomination for song for John Legend. So they hire John Legend to do the songs. They know he's going to get nominated, you know, not yeah. nominated, but shortlisted. Yeah. I, I, I got a weird thing in the mail, you know, all this swag, a lot of it is, is I tend to recycle it right away because I'm just not somebody who's going to use all these things. But Amazon sent this hilarious little box uh, it was like a YouTube speaker for All In and then a little card saying, listen to this song. I didn't listen to the song. I just like tried out the little Bluetooth speaker. That's the Janelle Monáe song, right? Yeah, but but it but Turn I tables. It. I hear it's good. Yeah, so that that was very smart. That kind of camp you could see that. Well, that, that kind of this is what Netflix did. Does it look? It looks like this. If you're just listening. Uh, Anne is holding up a giant speaker, <laughs> which seems to have found a permanent spot next to her computer. And that's exactly why these kinds of things matter. They remind Swag, you. what can we tell you? But the purpose of it is to listen to the music that they have up for, for grabs. And so uh, if we get it, so do, so do, so do other people, believe me. We you. have to acknowledge probably the weirdest entry in this category, which is not Jingle Jangle, 
I mean, I didn't think that was a great movie, but I'm not surprised that music got in. It's the Wuhan flu from Bora because that's a song. I mean, as always with these things, if you just listened to this song and had no idea about the context of it, that it was he's playing a racist bigot performing for a bunch of gun nuts, you'd say this song is super racist and problematic. The, con- the satiric context of the song is essential to understanding it, which is why it's fascinating that it, it is on, they, they really, inv- I mean, I got lyrics to this thing in the mail with the <laughs> musical annotation and stuff. Hopefully they're not saying sing along with us in this, but it's an, a pretty complex form of satire. So it's fascinating that it can get this far. Well, the Eurovision Song Contest song got in also, which is another, right. if you like, comedy song. Right, right. It's sort of making fun of songs like that, these very over the top. But those are, those are, those are all, what I like about those two songs is that they're integral to the movies that they're in and they're part of the narrative of the movie and therefore uh, actually perform a function as opposed to, you know, a credit song. So the music right. branch gives them points for that. Yeah, no, that's that's a fair point. So it'll be fun for us to kind of pick through these over the next few weeks and advocate for them because when, I, when I've gleaned from talking to Academy members and in a wide range of contexts, some of them are friends, sometimes for interviews and so forth, is that people are really kind of digging through things and looking for reasons to sort of whittle down their list and this is a form of curation that will do that so the next few weeks will be fascinating because everybody has that app that academy app you know it's yeah, like but they you know there's two songs by diane warren this woman who's been nominated 11 times you know so and maybe you just vote for her because of that <laughs> well you yeah, just have a to really good songwriter i'm not dissing her per se but it's you just have to remind people is it is it her time for the, for the yeah, for that's the sometimes how it works around here if you don't have a lady gaga in the race i mean that's sort of the challenge right it's is it's overcoming those at least things. they didn't nominate justin timberlake this time <laughs> no i keep using the word nominate it's these are short lists short list, yeah the, the but, final nominations are still to come but, it, but they are short much shorter list than we would have otherwise so it does make a big difference in that in that respect what what was a a, a blind spot for you on the list i mean what, what kind of gaps are you planning to fill oh by the way on the doc side i was surprised that netflix got a, a slot for for um, my octopus teacher, that which would is be my kind book. of mainstream, incredibly manipulative, you know, emotional. I mean, it, it's a huge hit on Netflix. Everybody yeah. saw it. I guess what struck me, and one of the reasons why they got so many slots, is is not only they have a great um, number of movies and a great number of awards people working hard, but people watch Netflix. I mean, it's the yeah, bottom it's line. There, I there. do this, you do this. Late at night, we've 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 watched our allotted movie of the day and we you know look for stuff to watch why oh. did i watch the sophia lauren short it's at a, you, you know one o'clock in the morning on a weekend you yeah. know it was, it was on netflix i i haven't seen that one yet the, the octopus movie was my blind spot and the day that the shortlist dropped i went and watched it and did not think it was a very good movie which is unfortunate because as sort of a as, as a nature lover in on many different levels i thought it was doing something valuable in, in terms of appreciating the sort of intellectual capacity of an animal and, and what it takes to understand that. But it just anthropomorphizes it in this really crass way, I thought. It, the and narration then, is is so overwhelming and yeah. it's telling it's you- It's a single source movie. It's, he is the only voice in this movie talking about his relationship with this octopus, which by the way, 
definitely feels strangely sexual and is not assessed in those terms at all. And and neither is his his life. I mean, what is going? Where, where is the guy's wife? Is this a midlife thing? Yeah. yeah. I, I, so it's underdeveloped. So I I, I but I, I did think it was notable that that was something i hadn't seen and then the shortlist came out and i i was easily able to just pull it up on netflix and, and it's really it. unlikely to make the final the final five i think um, but, there, but i but i love this list overall i mean I, yeah. dick johnson is dead amazing movie gunda an experimental very glad piece. i mean that that is the animal movie it's kasakovsky yeah, I, and really uh, Joaquin Phoenix promoting it. Yep. Absolutely. And then Interno made the cut. Interno, which a lot of people probably haven't seen yet. And, and so. that one made the cut on the doc side, but not on the foreign side. Italy. And, well, I wonder about that because it's, yeah, you know, the filmmaker is Italian, but it's not an Italian film in its bones in terms of what it's about. And I wonder if that maybe may have been part of the, the process on some level. And certainly it is an incredible piece of documentary storytelling. I think it's extraordinary. And I'm but, glad it got into the doc. Yeah, in another year, perhaps, where we didn't have the collective mole agent side of things, this may have been another one that could have had a shot at, at, at having both of them covered. But people should make sure to, to check that one out. And then 76 Days, obviously, is, is, is the pandemic movie that had a very strong campaign by uh, MTV documentary films behind it starting since they acquired it that was a late breaking one yeah um, and i'm really glad that it worked out it's it's a must see it's extraordinary and, it, and it's hopeful yeah so the next several weeks are going to be quite fascinating in that respect but in the meantime we also have some film festivals coming up and this week as, as i noted on our staff call i said you know i'd like to think that the film festival news is the thing that everybody's going to be really talking about from the film world this week but i'm pretty sure shortlist will be driving the new cycle and, and certainly they have but we got a lineup for south by southwest and we got a lineup for berlin which means that over the next month and a half we're going to get a whole bunch of different movies that are you know, new reviews and movies worth talking about explain to everyone how they can be part of these festivals what what do they have to do to watch watch some of these movies well let's start with south by because berlin is a little trickier but south by southwest Usually you buy a film pass or you buy an interactive pass or a, or a platinum pass. You can get different levels of, of engagement with that festival because it's not just one thing. It's film and music and interactive. Uh, this year, it's just one pass. I think it's a hundred something dollars, but the price keeps going up. So if you're interested, now is the time to jump on it. And that pass gets you access to all these different channels. So it's very different from Sundance in the way that, you know, Sundance had, had this very, uh, specific platform for watching movies on a schedule. South by is going to have the same volume of movies. I think they have one more movie than the Sundance lineup actually, but they're also going to have live music performances. They're going to have the conferences. So if you get that pass, what you can do over the course of the five days of this festival in the middle of March is kind of tune into different channels. You can watch a live show. You can then watch a movie on demand. You can watch a keynote. So you're going to be having that kind of South by experience more as a kind of a, a VOD experience. But I think it's actually a positive in some ways that one pass gets you everything, because in theory, that means more people are going to have a broader kind of experience with this convergence culture that South by has always been at the center. Of. As much as I always like seeing the films at South by, it's actually uh, some of the conference stuff that's ex most exciting to me yeah well that's the thing i mean amazing speakers in usually 
yeah, I think the keynotes will be the thing to, to keep an eye on, though. I'm looking forward to digging into this lineup. It doesn't have the usual kind of big studio movies. There's no baby driver type of movie to anticipate. And based on my conversations with the festival, it doesn't look like they're going to have any you know, surprise editions like when Ready Player One was a secret screening a few years ago. They were but, used as marketing launches, so there's no yeah. reason for the studios to do, to it, do it. Exactly. It serve their needs. Yeah, which, you know, maybe that's, that's because too bad, of the pandemic. But, yeah. But the thing is, those movies often played so loudly in the Paramount, and so it's just hard to imagine recreating that kind of noise for a movie through, uh, through some sort of targeted VOD launch. So, Okay, fine, but we still have 74 features. I mean, the movie op or the, the festival opens with this Demi Lovato YouTube series about her life overcoming addiction that supposedly gets into the pandemic. And it sounds like there's actually way more movies in the lineup this year that are re response or a reflection of the past year in quarantine than Sundance opened up to. So I think we'll have, actually have a clearer sense of how filmmakers have chosen to incorporate these things into their narrative filmmaking as well as a number of docs and that's going to be through book any of the sundance movies that people can catch up on that had buzz i think there will be a few like how it ends but not as many as usual which is not surprising obviously because everybody has fewer films than mm -hmm. usual um there are some films i think that have premiered at some other overseas festivals and so forth obviously they're going to get more attention this time around I mean, most of these movies, if you look at the narrative competition or the documentary competition, these are mostly first-time filmmakers who don't really have much of an imprint unless you've been watching short films that have premiered in places like South by Southwest. So there is this potential for discovery that's very strong here. And uh, I don't know exactly how it's going to play out. I mean, sometimes with these movies, you know, you don't really know what you're in for until you watch them. But I mean, all the way through the midnight section, which has a rotoscoped animated heavy metal feature, there's so much stuff where I'm like, yeah, I would watch that and just see how it goes. And I love that kind of stuff. And what about Berlin? So Berlin is a very different situation because Berlin is basically saying that it is a online market in March with its selection available virtually at that same time. And then in June, they're going to have a, a physical screening for each of those films they've selected. So there's like two parts to this festival. It's not going to make the same kind of noise that a physical Berlin festival would have because really they're using the lineup to instigate market activity. But those films will still be reviewed and so forth. And it's a promising selection of the kinds of films you would see in Berlin in the sense that probably big international auteur-driven works for the most part are holding off for Cannes except for maybe one or two that are realizing that in the context of Berlin, you can make a lot of noise if you're, you know, the shiny object. So case in point, Celine Sciamma has her new film, which, you know, does not look like a, a big starry movie, but since Portrait of a Lady on Fire, her profile has expanded tremendously. Sure. So that movie is something that I, obviously everybody's going to be looking out for. There's a, a Mexican filmmaker, Alonso Ruiz Palacios, whose last film, Museo, was the Mexican submission the year it came out. He's got a new movie. I saw that. Very strong. So there's a couple of, there's obviously a new Hong Sang Soo movie, and who knows, if maybe he's got a little pandemic element to it. You know, he probably made it last week. So um, there's, that kind of stuff is, is always fun because it's an, an opportunity to check in with some of these maybe lower profile European art films that 
uh, certainly will resonate with, with audiences, but just wouldn't make the same kind of noise that some of these other films do at Cannes. So a couple of people on Twitter were like, they, they got excited that French Exit was, was, and then they thought it was French Dispatch. It, it, oh boy, it, you know, imagine. So we are waiting for French Dispatch still, and the likelihood is that that will show up at Cannes, which yeah. is now scheduled for July as yeah. a live festival. And I have been nurturing fantasies of actually going. And I got my taste buds going when I watched the episode of Call My Agent that was set in I Cannes. keep hearing about it. Yeah, so, so this show, Juliet I haven't watched Benoche. it. Juliette <laughs> Binoche, she walks the ballet. I can't believe they did that. Did they shoot it there? It's all there. It, it, it's so powerful to just see it in all its, you know, you and I know every corner, every street lamp, you know. And, what an absurd it's, thing to it's know. Physical, the longing to, to actually be at Cannes. Yeah, uh, I, enormous. I mean, this this idea of having Cannes in July as they've locked it in is, is certainly intriguing because it, July is very soon. You know, it's not it's not next month, but it's pretty soon, and a lot has to happen for the world People to convert. People have to get vaccinated. Yeah. Uh, all the, all the, the borders have to open. Set in, yeah. And and it's just we're just not there yet. We're not just us, but France is not there yet. You know, other other countries, Italy, and so forth. So it's it's a real open question exactly how this is going to go. But unlike South by or Berlin or Sundance, which have found various kinds of virtual solutions. It's basically unthinkable that can would go this route. I mean, there's just too many factors. It's not just Kiri for Mo, it's the board of a festival. It's the way they think about it. It's just the way it is. Exhibition. Yeah, they could do something like Venice, though. I mean, Venice was was done. They did it. In that little window that was open, they did it. And they're planning to do that again. Europe this year. that could go. Yeah. I mean, look, the fall is everybody's is sort of raring to go. Toronto's got its dates locked. New York seems to be close. Telluride is the most Telluride likely place open. for us to show up. It would be nice to know if they're they're locking those dates soon, but it certainly seems like that's a possibility. So I guess we have to just kind of play it by ear. I mean, if we jump into Cannes in July and we get take our breather in August, it's not going to be much of a breather because by mid-August, we're going to be gearing up to go to Telluride. So it's going to feel very different in terms of what we have to absorb during that time. Uh, it does also raise a, a question, which uh, I know you've gotten before. I've, I've already gotten it a few times, which is, do we think the Academy is going to keep that late Oscar date? For oh, yeah. Year? They're going forward. They've made an announcement that sort of um, indicates that they're contemplating some kind of um, Emmy or globe-like virtual thing where they're gonna have multiple locations. They're gonna be beaming from not only the Dolby with presumably some kind of host, which hasn't been announced, um, but other sites presumably around the world. And Soderbergh, one of the producers of the Oscars, we can count on him to come up with something innovative and yeah, fun. I'm excited about one. it. Yeah, I mean, and, and he's a New Yorker, so I know he's not going to forget about us and whatever live component happens there. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. But if it works really well, I mean, the question is, does that set a template then for next year? Since even if as we come out of this pandemic, it's gonna, just going to take a long time to figure out how we can start having things the way they used to be, if we well, even- One thing on. that publicists have been telling me, um, because a lot of people are talking about this, is how is it going to be different 
when we come out and a lot of stars are not going to travel. Yeah, it's too easy to just stay. They're going to stay home. home. They're yeah. not going to put on their high heels and their tuxes, you know. And, but then uh, there are some stars for whom this is a big part of how you stay relevant, right? Is putting on your tux and your high heels and looking good on the red carpet and, and going to Of course, to the there party. will be some of it, but a lot of the, the red carpet is one thing. Um, junkets are another thing, yeah. you know. Uh, a lot of the everyday promotion of a movie could now be done from home. Which, you know, sure, if junkets can be more streamlined for everyone involved, I, I can't imagine a lot of media are going to complain either because those things, you know, you sit around in a hotel room for like three hours waiting for the talent to show up and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's just may as well simplify that. So okay, so next week, I don't even know what's going on. We'll have something. To we'll talk figure about. it out. Eric. We're, we're getting to that point where it's like, I suppose there'll be some more awards related announcements and so forth, but there Actually, is we have the WGA time. next week. Oh, well, that'll be a good one for us. After SAG. So always remember that a lot of the movies that aren't on there aren't eligible. So that's part of it. They only, nom they only put up the, they only nominate the movies that are uh, signatories to the, to the Writers Guild. But we'll talk about that next. It will definitely give us some, some indications of some sort. So enjoy your weekend, in. I hope that somehow or another you're going to get some rest. It's going to be a nice long one. I know. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.